Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of the Falzone Cisco Hour, Broadcasting Politics. And tonight we have a special guest, Jeffrey S. Stevens. He's a political analyst, columnist, author of a new book, Fool's Errand. And we'll be talking about big tech censorship, his book, and also the coronavirus. But anyway, go ahead, Mark. Go with your rant. Yeah, oh, that's funny. With, yeah, I like to talk about, uh, you know, I don't call it Facebook. I, I, uh, I always refer to it as Dick Book. And uh, it's catching <laughs> on. I see a lot of people on Dick Book. Anyway, I'm in jail again. Uh, Two dear friends had birthdays, Denise Hudson, George Hathaway. I couldn't extend my uh, uh, salutations. But uh, I just wanted to talk about the uh, non-American, censoring, leftist, no-good bastards over in California. And, again, I'm going to ask, where are the California peeps, the hassle people going in and out of their little rat hole up in California there in their headquarters. Come on. Start, uh, you know, nothing violent, nothing like that, but just start leaning on them, huh? Let them know that we're out here. Now, I'll tell you, in 2019, I was in Facebook, excuse me, dick book jail for eight months out of 12. Now, I haven't <laughs> been in jail all of 2020. All of a sudden, 2021, I'm, uh, Getting slapped two days here, seven days here, five days here. And, oh, and I wanted to mention this name on the air because check your friends list. Uh, because not only does Facebook censor us, not only do they uh, depress news that uh, doesn't fit the uh, leftist scum narrative, but now right. uh, what I see, there was a character, his name is, his pseudo name is Orlando Romero. And what happened, uh, he, was, he was commenting negatively on Trump and America and this and that. So, of course, yours truly was chopping him off at the ankles. And Dick Book didn't uh, like that. And I wasn't doing anything that he wasn't doing. You know, as a matter of fact, I was less vulgar than he was. And Dick Book just jumped all over me. They didn't want me... Messing, mussing the hair of little Orlando Romero, their little dick book plant. So they're planting things too. Man, do they suck. And by, by the way, mm-hmm. I just want to remind everyone I regard Twitter as a leftist backed up toilet. Uh, I haven't been on Twitter for quite a while. I've had three different accounts suspended from that. They don't like hearing the truth either. They don't like hearing anything pro-American either. They don't like hearing anything anti-barbaric Muslim terrorist either. Uh, Okay, and then also I wanted to warn the nation. uh, This is important. This is a news flash. We've identified domestic terrorist organizations as follows. The FBI the DOJ, the NSA, the CIA, the IRS. Be on the lookout for these domestic terrorist organizations. Thank you. (laughs) Well, to add to that, if you are planning to go to the U.K., be ready to be in quarantine in a prison setting. If you land at Heathrow Airport in London, they treat you more like a prisoner in a prison camp. But this is a COVID prison camp for everyone out there to know what is really going on in the UK. Number two, there's a lawsuit, quite a few more lawsuits in regards to the current push for the killer shot. The killer shot they're trying to push it everywhere. A lawsuit in Brooklyn, New York. There's still a lawsuit that's going to the Supreme Court in Houston, Texas. And we're moving forward. You know, uh, the globalists and the, and the globalist puppets are going to eventually lose because people are getting, people are waking up. That's the reason they're offering what? 
Krispy Kreme, beer, everything. But anyway, let me let's get let's get our guests uh, call our guests right now, and um, I will I will say we're looking at a very very intense summer. Uh, prepare yourself because these globalists will do anything to create chaos. Okay. Yeah, especially now because they're going to be so well funded with all the uh, uh, BS COVID programs that are actually money laundering schemes for the uh, barbaric, sadistic leftists. How are you? This as well. is, uh, all right. Thank you for coming on on the, la- uh, on the latest last moment. I, I, and I appreciate you having me. Definitely, definitely. You're a New Yorker just like uh, me and, and my co-hosts. We're all New yes. Yorkers. And, yes, and I, am, by the way, I am born and bred New York City, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, by the way. I'm, by the, I'm by also, the, I'm, I'm older. I'm pre-Giuliani New York City, and I have the scars <laughs> all over me to prove it. <laughs> oh, hold on. Hold on. I'm pre-John Lindsay. <laughs> New Yorker. I'm a lot older than you guys. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Plus, uh, Jeffrey Just went to a great high school. Just don't mention A-Beam, all right? I don't want to hear yeah. about A-Beam. <laughs> no, A-B, I don't want to talk about A-Beam. That midget, no, he was not. I don't want to talk about A-Beam. <laughs> well, Jeffrey went to Bronx High School of Science, and I went I to did. Powell Memorial. Powell Memorial yeah, I know, went to Stuyvesant. Uh, oh, my cousin. My cousin went to Powell Memorial. Yeah, Powell Memorial, and but I wanted to go to Bronx High School of Science. You know, Stuyvesant was also a great high school. Stuyvesant, but Stuyvesant, and that's and but, but Powell Memorial was Lou Alcindor who became yeah. Lou Jamar. Yeah, I went to Catholic school practically all my life. So, <laughs> well, my cousin, but all my cousins did. They went to Spelman and they went to a Power. But I tell you what, yeah, I remember I remember Lou Alcindor, man, and then he became Kareem, and he, what a ball player, huh? Oh, excellent. I mean, when Power was... Uh, he's, he's, he's a very, film producer now. Very dominant. He's got some kind very of film now. In, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to uh, be talking to another New Yorker and, and great high school but anyway, uh, Jeffrey, uh, I, I introduce you as a political analyst, columnist, and author of the new book, Fools, at, Fools and Aaron. Fools and uh, yes. Fools and And there's also another uh, article that you had. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I love that. Yes. I started reading And I want to I I begin by going, going ahead and, and asking you, is there any, anything else that you want to bring up to our listening audience in regards to your uh, – Incredible credentials. Well, no, my credentials are unimportant. What's important is this country coming back together. That's mm-hmm. the thing. And, and, you know, listen, Donald Trump was who he was, is who he is, but, but Joseph Biden ran for office telling us he would be a great uniter, and he has not been that, and we need this country to come back together. That's what we need. We cannot have a country where people are constantly in a position where they can't even have a conversation about politics because they're going to wind up in a fist fight. I mean, that, that's not <laughs> who we are. I mean, that's not who we are. It's, it's crazy, and it, it's, not, it's not healthy, and it isn't productive for America. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I, think, I think one of the things about, that I mentioned from the things that you were, uh, when I was doing some research on, uh, on your book and, and who you were, who you are, was the point about him, uh, Joseph Biden, increasing the tax base, increasing your taxes on the upper uh, first, uh, first, second class individuals in, in this country. And, and that tends to be more of let's hit the middle class. That's the reality, isn't it? Well, that's what happens. I mean, let's face it. You know, if you hit, if you hit Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates with some more taxes – they can afford it, and it doesn't mean anything to them. It's a rounding error. But what happens right. is ultimately the middle class, which is the working class, they get hit. Look, we are facing a situation now where inflation is rising. No one's talking about it enough. 
but inflation is rising. Have you seen how much it costs to buy a quart of milk? Have you seen mm-hmm. what it costs to buy plywood? Plywood is up 180%. 180%. And that means that housing costs are up. I mean, all of these things impact the middle class, the working people, the real Americans who do what they, what they want in order to build a better America. And, you know, they talk about the border and all this stuff, but let's face it. The Hispanics in this country, they come here and they work because they are living the American dream. That's what the dream is. Educate your children, work hard, make a better life, and that's what we need in this country. That's the American dream. That's what people need to be pursuing. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I, and I think I think the uh, the Biden administration is based. They, they don't really want the success of the different class, different races, different ethnicities. They basically want they want to create chaos, and that's what this administration has been doing ever since they took office, creating chaos. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it's unfortunate that they are, and I, I don't want to ascribe bad motives to them. But let's face it, socialism doesn't work. As Maggie Thatcher from the UK used to say, mm-hmm. eventually you run out of other people's money. <laughs> you Definitely. Know? I mean, you need people to be working. You need people to be working together. You need people to be pulling the plow together. That's how we build a great country, and that's how we build a great economy. And the fact is, it doesn't work if you have people sitting home saying, well, just send me a check. That's not what works. What works is education. What works is hard work. What works is the economy moving forward. Look, Biden just went to Europe. And what did he do? He closed down our Keystone Pipeline, but he gave Mm -hmm. the green light to Russia to do their pipeline. How does that make any sense? My feeling is that he's trying to destroy the the, the United States of America on purpose. Well, you know, look, if you feel that way, I I respect that. That's a harsh view. I, I recognize that. I don't think that... He is particularly wanting to destroy America per se. I think that what's going on is that he just has lost his way. He was a moderate Democrat for many, many years. And now what we've got is we've got him kowtowing to the extreme left, which doesn't make any sense. It doesn't get us to where we want to be. And where we want to be is we want to be pulling together because we're the greatest country in the world, and now the infrastructure of this country is being torn apart. And it's a shame. It's just a shame. I mean, look, I have a sister. I, if I may tell just a personal story. Yeah, yeah, I have a sister. Yeah, go ahead. I love her. She's a very bright woman. She's educated. She's a nurse practitioner. She's done great things for her whole life, and she is buying into this liberal stuff. And I say to her, how can you, how can you believe this makes any sense? And, and it, she can't explain it. And she can't explain it because it doesn't make sense. Right. And I, I think the whole election, the, the whole situation that actually was fraudulent because as we're, we're noticing, the DOJ is pressuring Arizona in regards to the ordering. Of, of the election votes, yeah, and that, that that to me told me right away that, that this administration was basically going to play dirty, and they were going to protect Joseph Biden in, in whatever form, in whatever way, and attack their political opponents. Would, well, do you see well, like that? Is, you know, this administration is going to do everything they can protect a guy who does not deserve to be president and is not confident mm-hmm. to be president. I'm sorry to say that because he is my president. I don't want to root against him, as I say. The media is going to do the same thing. In the, in the final analysis, do I believe that they want to destroy America? I mean, there are some people I believe who do, like Omar and the squad. I believe they do. I don't think Biden does. I just think Biden is out of touch with reality. That's the problem there. And what we need to do is we need to mobilize the people who think like you and I, get them out there, make sure they vote in this next election, 
Make sure we take back the House and the Senate, and let's restore some order to this country. Did you hear about what happened out in New Jersey, by the way? There's a town out in New Jersey. This is crazy. I mean, if, if you said I was making this up, I could understand that, but it's the truth. The school board in a town in New Jersey voted to remove the names of all of the holidays during the year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, because it would offend people, and they're now supposed to just call them days off. Is that insane? <laughs> let, 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 let me guess. In New Jersey, it has to be in North Jersey. <laughs> okay, but here's a crazy note. Hang on. Here is the crazy punchline of the story. Get ready, because this will give you the chills. They did research on the town. 70% of the town is registered as Republicans and Independents. So what wow. happened was, what happened was, the extreme left, while the silent majority sat back and did nothing, the extreme left went in, took over the school board, and huh. voted this rule. Now, it's going to be challenged in court. It'll probably be shot down. But the point is, we have to stand up. It's time for all of us to stand up and say, we've had enough of this nonsense. It's time for us to take back America. Up in New Hampshire, I was on the radio the other day with a station in New Hampshire and and Maine. Get to this one. In New Hampshire, 166 Democrats in the Statehouse have voted to take down the motto of New Hampshire. And we all know what that is. Leave, yeah. Live free or die. Live free or die. They said yes. we have to take down that motto in the schools because why? Because children who are in, in uh, how should I say, have not really determined whether or not they feel free or they feel like safe, that they may want to do harm to themselves with a model like live free or die, so they want to take down the model. Forget about all of the veterans through 250 years who have died to protect our country. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. They're worried that children are going to have a bad reaction to the motto. I mean, is that nuts? <laughs> that is totally insane. <laughs> it is insane. I want to. I want to. I want to touch on something that you you base. Uh, I mean, initially touched on, which is the plywood cost. How about the shortage in, in, in chips, the shortage in, in, in different uh, items, uh, consumer items Absolutely. that are, are impacting? What's your uh, – a, a lot of individuals may, may be thinking, oh, well, that, that, that may be because they want to increase the price. How do you see that? Is, is that something related to the current Biden administration? Because that didn't happen during Donald Trump's era. Well, I can't look. I can't blame Joe Biden for everything, but you make a wonderful point, which is we really have to take a look at what's going on in this country, what's going on with these various things that that are impacting our economy, what's available, what it costs. These are serious, serious issues, and these are issues that we need to address now because people really need to understand that this is what life is about. You know, Mr. and Mrs. America need to put food on the table. They need to put milk on the table. They need to have the access to these items and to be able to afford them, right? They need to afford right. them, don't they? Of course, of course. I mean, well, uh, that's the deal. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically decimating, decimating the middle class. Exactly right. The working class gets hurt. The working class gets hurt, and in the meantime, we need to be improving our inner cities. We need to be working with our inner cities so that these people can get educated, the next generation can get educated, so that we can improve the breed of the entire American population. That's what needs to be done. And we need leaders to come forward. We need real leaders now. And what's going on right now is not real leadership. That's right. There's there's no leadership in, in, in Washington, and we we just noticed that what happened in, in, in Europe. I mean, uh, you see uh, President Macron from France lecturing Biden. Then you have Vladimir basically laughing at. at, at so we are basically. It was very embarrassing at the at the G7 meeting. I totally. But agree. anyway, I totally agree. No, oh, no, thank no. You. no, no, no. Don't, don't, don't. Don't pass on too quickly because you make a wonderful point. That's a brilliant point. Let me tell you, 
they were laughing at us. Biden didn't know the difference between Syria and Libya, number one. Number two, he, ca- he came away from this thing, and the deal was, what happened? He was saying, this is Putin, that we, the United States, we're the biggest purveyors of Internet crime, that we're the ones who are hacking systems around the world. I mean, with no proof, no examples, but he didn't care. What did he care? He just said it and it didn't matter. And because, because Biden is not competent to debate him on the stage, that thing went unanswered. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. By the way, uh, Jeffrey, we have a, call, uh, uh, a question. 254654, a question for Jeffrey. Uh, my question is not really a question, it's a statement. I feel that a lot of these uh, things that people want, uh, like the gas is going to go up and we're short on gas, we, we, uh, the electricity, something's going to happen. And then, uh, like you were talking, the economy and the plywood and all that, I think it becomes a gossip from someone, and then that's the way to hike up the prices on everything to make a profit. For You're the so right, people man. that are already. You are so right. Huh? You, you are so right. It's exactly right. That's the whole scam. That's the whole scam. And then suddenly we're at the middle class of which I am part. We're all paying for it. And that's what happens. You're absolutely right. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Great comment, 254. Uh, 732-539, do you have a question for Jeffrey? No, I don't have a question. I just, I guess I have just a response to, number one, uh, I don't consider Biden uh, my president. I don't think he has a brain. And if they don't do something, I mean, he doesn't. He truly doesn't have a brain. And I, I listened to the G7 summit a little bit on the TV, and, and he, was, he was ridiculous. They were laughing at him. And if we don't have a strong leader, that's the whole point. If we don't have a strong leader in our country, we're, we're done, doomed. That's all. Well, <laughs> that's you know, that's a, wonder, that's a wonderful point. Because as I just said, and I totally agree with you, ma'am, leadership is the key. And if you don't have leadership, what have you got? And, you know, even if you didn't like Donald Trump, the fact of the matter was he was a strong leader. Look, in, in our lifetimes, and however old your listeners may be, We've had a couple of great leaders in our country. One was a Democrat who said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And he predicted in the 1960s, he predicted that at the end of the decade, we would put a man on the moon. And there was no reason to think that was possible. And although John Kennedy did not live to see it, the fact is, because we were aspirational, we put a man on the moon in 1969. It's incredible. Just think about that. And Ronald Reagan, he brought the country together and made us feel good about being Americans again. But these last few administrations, do we feel good about being Americans? No. We need leadership like that. We need leaders who make us feel good about being Americans, about being good about ourselves. We need education, health care, a strong economy. That's what we need, and that's what they should be doing. And these politicians are all playing for their own accounts, and it doesn't work. Absolutely. Excellent, excellent analysis. Now, let's touch on the whole situation with coronavirus. New York City, a city that we we all love, basically had, was the biggest city, biggest state that got hit initially with coronavirus. Uh, Governor Cuomo went ahead and and basically sent uh, uh, all these infected individuals back to um, to to the nursing homes, and then you know the the, the left wing media basically praises uh, Cuomo and he gets an award. Connecticut, the great state of Connecticut, uh, you know New Jersey, all the the liberal states in the East Coast basically got hit really hard. What's your, what's your take after a whole year and a half, almost going on two years, what did you learn from that experience living in a blue state, in a democratic control state, regarding coronavirus? Well, it's obviously very sad. Everything that happened was unnecessary. If China had owned up to what, what was going on right from the beginning, 
around the world, millions of lives might have been saved. That's number one. Number two, the, all these statistics about coronavirus deaths are inflated because, let's face it, most of these people, the CDC just came out with these, these reports, most of these people had, had comorbidities. They were already sick. And what Cuomo did was an abomination. But Cuomo is all about Cuomo, just like his father, just like his brother. It's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the fact is we're now coming out of this thing. I know that there are new strains. I know we have to be careful. But the fact is people should get vaccinated, adult, not children, but adults should get vaccinated to work. We should get back to living our lives, and we should get back to building this country back to where it should be. Wow. Okay. Um, well, one of the, one of the things about the, the new Delta variant, uh, the Indian variant, and the yes. South African variant. Yes. Uh, uh, I just read a report that in the UK, fully vaccinated people that had uh, have taken all the vaccinations actually died. The, 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 the variant. So that you know, a lot of there's a lot of hesitation. Because, like you said, there's the, the, the numbers are inflated. Uh, CDC is, has not been truthful. Dr. Fauci has uh, said in the beginning, you don't have to wear a mask unless you're a health worker. Right. Um, all these right, things right. have created, have created uh, a credibility issue with the CDC and, and, the, uh, and Dr. Fauci. No, you're absolutely right. No, no. It, it is true. You know, Fauci has turned out to be a bad guy, and in the beginning, I listened to him, I and mean, I bought into it, but let's face it. He said at first, you don't need masks unless you're a health worker. Then he said you need a mask. Then they said you don't need masks. Then, <laughs> then you need social distancing. Then it turned out social distancing exactly. was based on, and get to this, social distancing was based on a study done 110 years ago by a German scientist with respect to tuberculosis in the 1800s. I mean, it's all nonsense. Now he's got the vaccine, and he shows up in Congress wearing two masks. I mean, come on, let's face it. Look, I'm not saying this this virus was not serious. I know some people have gotten it. I don't know anyone who's died from it. I'm, I'm happy to say I know some people have gotten sick from it. But the fact of the matter remains that we have to be realistic about what we're doing. We have to get back to real life. There are always going to be flus. There are always going to be viruses. There are always going to be pandemics in the world. We need to get back to real life. What, what, uh, what Cuomo and his minions did was a horrible thing, and then he wants to be patted on the back for it. It's just a terrible thing. But it's time for you know, us like, to I move want to on. In here. I want to chime in about this Cuomo. What I find abhorrent was the fact that there was the Jaffa Center and the ship in the harbor available. There. Yes. But because yes. they were provided by Trump, you know, he had to follow the Democratic line and not do anything to make Trump look good. So he, so for political reasons, he sent, right, he sent all these people into the homes instead of, you know, the smart thing. Wait a second, we got the Javits Center. Let's quarantine all the people in the Javits Center. How about that? No. For political reasons. God bless you. That is such a great argument. He didn't use the ship. He didn't use the Javits Center. He put these people back into homes where they died because of political reasons. And all of the things that Trump set up for New York were not used. And what did it get them? Nothing. Just people died. And if they had used what Trump set up, he would have saved lives, and that is an incontrovertible fact. But does the mainstream right, media report this? No, of course not. Yeah. It was, it was, political. It was political. And like you said, uh, I mean, we all grew up listening to uh, Mario Cuomo, his father, uh, and, 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 and he was horrible. And another his sons are, Yeah, his sons are just are horrible. Uh, 254, do you have a, a comment or question? Uh, for uh, Jeffrey. Comment. I had the, the virus last year about this, uh, close to about this time, stayed a week in the hospital. And when I got out, it took me about three months to completely get over it. And I don't feel like it was a virus because I've had 
uh, I had bone marrow cancer, and I was treated uh, with uh, a stem cell transplant, lots of chemicals there. But when I got over it, I felt like I'd had a stem cell transplant. So to tell you, I just don't think it's a virus. It's all a planned epidemic. Well, ma'am, first of all, let me ask you this question. Are you healthy now? No, I still got the bone marrow cancer, but I felt better after I got the virus than I ever felt in my life. Wow. After well, I, I, hope gonna, I hope you're going to be okay. I can't disagree with anything. Oh, I'll be fine. Saying. Well, I, I'm sure you will, and I hope you will. Yeah, and what I'm saying is uh, being full of chemicals and then also getting the virus made me realize this was not a regular virus. Hmm. So what do you think it was? I think uh, my opinion was, uh, uh, what did they call I forget the name of it. It's called uh, chemical warfare, and it's yeah. biological. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A oh, biological well, that, that apparently seems to be the case. That apparently seems to be yes. the case of what came out of the Wuhan of the Wuhan laboratory. So I, exactly. I can't disagree yes. with that. But the main thing is, I hope your health is good. Oh, my health is good. Yeah. I'm doing great. That's wonderful. You, you, Strong person. <laughs> excellent comment. Excellent comment, and Jeffrey, what you said about the Wuhan lab, that, that was, again, we go back to Fauci, uh, Fauci and, and, and the NIH and the investment that came out of uh, the Obama administration. Absolutely. Money going, and the participation of the WHO, working with the uh, CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and basically covering everything up. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And, and it's, it's so sad that this is how we behave now. And in the meantime, so what does Fauci do? He comes out with a book. <laughs> he comes out with a book congratulating himself. <laughs> Jesus. Well, hey, he didn't want to feel left out because uh, Cuomo, Cuomo came out with a book after he, you know, he actually murdered. 10,000 people by sending them to the nursing home in New York City. At, at least. least. And by the way, by the way, my publisher will be mad if I don't say something about it. And by the way, no. I've got a book. And it's got I know, I know. This and, stuff. And, I want yeah, to throw this yeah. in there, though. Folks, my, my new book, I've got a bunch of books out there, but it's Fool's Errand, and it's a wonderful father-son story, and it is a great father, Father's Day gift. Uh, and it's it's a fun book. It really is a fun book about a father and son and an international treasure hunt, and they'll take their mind off all of these problems. So anyway, just let's throw that in there. No, no, no. I, wa- I want I, I wanted I wanted you to touch on on the on your book. Thank you. Uh, I have a set of questions for you in regards to your book. What prompted you to write that book? Well, you know you know what I had a series of sponsors out there, but during the pandemic. I didn't think the world needed another spy thriller. I wanted to write something about family. And you know the old story about, you know, you sit around and you think, boy, if I could spend one day with anybody in the world who's not around anymore, and some people would say Jesus, and some people would say Moses, and some people would say Winston Churchill or whatever. But what do most people say? They say, if I could spend one more day with dad or one more day with my mom, you know, they're gone now, whatever. So I came up with the idea about a book about a young man finds a letter from his father which was written just before his father died six years before about some money that the father had wanted the son to track down and the father was kind of one of these guys looking for the brass ring but in any event the son makes a decision to go after this dream and it becomes as i say a treasure hunt that goes from new york city to las vegas to uh to the south of france goes all the way back to world war ii it's got wow. intrigue, it's got romance, it's got adventure, and it's about a young man coming to terms with himself, his relationship with his dad who's long gone, and it's just really a fun read. And I've gotten great reviews, I'm happy to say. And so if you want something for Father's Day, folks, Definitely. Fool's Errand is the name of the book. And by the way, Jeffrey Stevens, Stevens with a PH, if you want to look at my website, 
JeffreyStevens.com. You can see all my books, but Fool's Earned is a lot of fun. Definitely. I, 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 I have the list here of so many of your great books that you have written, but this one caught my attention in the, in the fact that the title, Fool's Errand, how, how, how did you come up with that title? Well, because when, when the young man finds a letter, to be honest, okay. it's like he's got two choices. Does he put the letter back in the envelope and say, oh, my dad was a wacky guy and, you know, he was always going for the brass ring, or does he go on this treasure hunt? And, of course, we know he goes on the treasure hunt because the name of the book is Fool's Errand. <laughs> so that's where Got it. <laughs> and wh- wh- where, where did you develop that passion for, for creative writing? And, uh, well, I grew up, as it? we talked about earlier, I grew up in New York City, and I always wanted to be a writer, but I grew up poor in the Bronx, and, you know, I was the first person in my entire extended family to go to college. And my dad said, listen, if you want to write, you can write. But you need to have a profession. You need to make a living first. And so I kept writing over the years. And so in the last 15, 20 years, I started to get published. And I've got a series of spy thrillers out there featuring a CIA agent named Jordan Sandor. I've got a murder mystery out there, which we're doing a follow-up to. And – I I've written, as I say, I recently wrote Fool's Errand because I wanted to get into the whole family thing. And so it's been a lot of fun. Plus, you went to uh, Penn State. I did. I did. It was a lot of fun out in Happy Happy Valley. Happy Valley. Happy Valley. I was the first person in my extended family, as I say, to go to college. And my folks were really nice to send me there. And I had a great time. And... uh, it, it, you know, it's been fun, then I, but, of course, then I came back to New York. Just, as I don't have to tell you, if you're a New Yorker, it doesn't go away. It's sort of like, it's sort of like a, you're right. a flu you can't get rid of. So that you're, 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 absolutely, you're absolutely correct. I mean, uh, but I, I did like going to paternal, paternal country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about how it ended for Joe Paterno, but in any event. But, yeah, paternal country, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Well, great, great football, great football school. And, and a lot of good people out there, too, by the way. I tell you what, I go out there about once a year to a football game still, even after all these years, and I just have to say that it's very interesting because you can go to a lot of places <clears throat> to see a football game or whatever, and it's very, you know, it's very passionate, and that's all oh, great, yeah. but it gets nasty. But in, at Penn State, you could have the toughest game of the season. It doesn't matter. Everyone's nice to each other. The visiting team and the visiting fans come. Everyone gets along. It's just a fantastic place. If any of your listeners, if you've never been out there, spend a couple of days out in Happy Valley. It'll do you good. Oh, I, I, I have. I have. I've gone oh, to – Yeah, I went to see uh, Penn State against Rutgers when they were in the, in the Big, Big East oh. Conference. Because my, oh, sure. my son was my son was going to my son was going to uh, uh, Rutgers, so that was our big competitor back when Rutgers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he uh, Rutgers really w- was no competition for Penn State. <laughs> well, that's a great school, though. My stepfather went to Rutgers. It's a great oh, yeah. school. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really, but not when it comes to football. Doesn't have well, the. Uh, okay. Okay. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have the history that Penn State has. No, it's anyway. not the powerhouse that some of these big schools are. I understand that too. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to touch on on in regards to where we're going with the uh, the coronavirus. You know, now that they're saying that the uh, pandemic is over to a certain extent, uh, where do you see? In the short term, where where the uh, the country is going, where is, where's the world going? Well, I, I there there that's a very big question, but I think there are a couple of a couple of discrete answers to that. First of all, with respect to the coronavirus itself, I'm not a doctor, but I do think that we're reaching a point where we're getting herd immunity. A lot of people are vaccinated. Um, it's just like anything else, like the flu. I mean, people die from the flu every year, but the thing is. We are, we are starting to build up immunities. We've got the, the, uh, the vaccinations, and that's a good thing. In terms of the world in general, I think it's very important that we're respectful of each other, especially 
the vaccinations, get out there and live your life, get these kids back to school, get people back to work. Sitting around and collecting unemployment is not a healthy thing because it may seem simple, but in the end it deprives us of our motivation, of our ambition, and that's not a healthy thing. Definitely, definitely it's not. But I'm looking at the whole new wave of censorship over the coronavirus. I mean, we have, we have big tech censoring folks, censoring doctors that are opposed to this whole mandatory vaccination. Yeah, it's a very tough – you know what? It's a very tough issue. It's very tough because what's going on here is, for example, I have a close friend who's got a 12-year-old daughter in a, in a private school – I won't name the school. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. And they're beginning to insist that all, everyone over 12 gets the virus. Gets, I'm sorry, excuse me, gets the vaccine. Now, here's the thing that people don't realize in some instances. The vaccine is not FDA approved. I know this comes as a shock, but it's not. It's an emergency approval, and that's a totally different thing. In the entire history of the United States, there's only one vaccine that was ever approved on an emergency basis for use by Americans. And that was when the military was infected by anthrax. That's the only time about 30 years ago that it ever was approved for emergency use. So when people say, oh, well, you know, the vaccine is safe and everything. No, it's not necessary. Now I got the vaccine. Don't get me wrong. I got the Pfizer. I got both shots. I'm glad I did. I feel great. I feel, you know, I'm not going to get COVID. But when you're talking about 12-year-olds who, you know, boys who may have issues later on in terms of, you know, I don't know, having, having kids and girls mm-hmm. who might later on have issues, I don't know what those, what those implications are long-term. And this is an EAU, an emergency authorized use by the, by the FDA. It is not FDA approved. So let's remember that. So adult kids, there's over 99% likelihood that you're not going to get the virus and over 99% likelihood that you're not going to spread the virus. So let's not push young people into getting something that they may not need. So that's my pitch on that. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I, think, I think we've had already cases of heart inflammation rates with uh, – Young kids all over the country and That's all correct. over the world. So boys, especially teenage boys, you're absolutely yeah. right. That's exactly right. Teenage boys are instances of heart, what they call heart inflammation, as you correctly say. Now, have they proved that it's directly related to the vaccine? Not yet, but certainly questions are raised. And, I, you know, I'm an older guy. I, you know, I have grandchildren now, but... I'm very, very young, of course, because I'm a young guy, but I don't have, I don't have 12-year-old children. But I'll tell you what, if I had a 12- or 14-year-old child, I don't know that I would be thrilled to have them get vaccines. Right. Well, I, I think, I think it's, 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 that very, it's a very delicate situation. I don't think uh, we have experienced what we're experiencing right now. And, and the reason I brought up the big tech censorship because I think there's a uh, the big big tech and and and, and pharma are, are are colluding in a lot of these things of censoring the average American uh, average American out there who wants to express their views they cannot. So, uh, do you think that big tech needs to be, you know, they need to come to, uh, they need to regulate big tech more? Well. I think you're raising two issues. One is, do I think that big tech needs to be reined in? Absolutely. I think that's what I think. Absolutely they do. I mean, I think it's outrageous, outrageous what's going on with Facebook and with Twitter and with Instagram and all the rest of it. I think that the fact that it's unregulated, I'm not looking to curb free speech, but I think it's outrageous what's going on. Yes. Now, do I think that they're conspiring to damage us with vaccines? No, I don't think that. But I am absolutely concerned about what's going on for children and what's going on with big tech. I mean, they're, they're ruling our lives. 
children are glued to their iPhones or glued to their iPads. It's endless. It's endless, isn't it, what's going on? I mean, you walk into a restaurant and you see four young people, two guys and two girls in their 20s, and the four of them are sitting at the table on all their phones. I mean, come on, come on, have a conversation, folks. So I do think think that that something needs to be done there. But in terms of the vaccine, I think adults should get the vaccine. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not arguing anybody who doesn't want to get it. Sure, sure. I just think that I think adults should get the vaccine, but we should be very careful about what we do with our children. Right. I mean, you have presidents who suspend it. Go, uh, go ahead. Ask, um, Somebody's got a question. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Personally, did not get the jab on the vaccine because I don't think it's a vaccine. I don't trust it. And I'm an older person. And uh, it's not even, uh, what do you call it, registered yet. It's it's not approved yet. It's still in a Correct. experimental stage. It's how, can, how can anybody... And, and to take the children and try to jab them, I think that's horrible. Because you don't know yep. in a couple of years what the heck is going to happen to you from getting this crap inside you. And there's so many stories about it anyway. And that's my opinion, that's all. Okay, no. No, that's well stated, ma'am. And i got to tell you something. I'm not arguing with you. I got the vaccine because the doctor friends that I have said that, you know, this is something that should be done for adults. But I must tell you, your point is very well taken. It's very well taken. We don't know what the long-term effects are. And certainly with respect to children, it troubles me greatly. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. And the children are walking around, two-year-olds and three-year-olds, with masks on. That's ridiculous. How, how does ridiculous. that make sense? How many – got to ask you something. Seriously, I'm guessing you, I'm guessing you know a lot of people – how many three-year-olds do you know who have the COVID virus? None, correct? <laughs> right. None. I mean, what are they wearing masks None. for? It's crazy. How about that girl? Did you see that girl on, on TV? I shouldn't even laugh because it's not funny. Uh, a couple weeks ago, she was this, this high-class uh, you know, runner in high school and everything, and they made her, wear, uh, made her wear a mask during the race, and she collapsed at the finish line because she couldn't breathe. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, yes, that's 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 the, that's the real tragedy. How, for the first time in my lifetime, and I'm quite sure in your lifetime and, and everyone who's listening, the amount of mandates and pressure to do things that never happened before. Absolutely. And we had we had the swine flu, we had the HN1, we've had all these. Flu and viruses, and, and never has the, has big tech and government being censoring people. That to me absolutely. is absolutely true. No, yeah. this is absolutely true. They're forcing us. They're forcing us into something. And this woman who was just on—I don't know who that lady was. And she was very bright because she made some great points. But the fact of the matter is that. You can't force people into these things. These are decisions that have to be made. I mean, this right. is the government. This is the government. The government, this is what's gone crazy in this country. Everyone's forgotten. The government works for us. The politicians are our employees. They act like they're telling us what to do. It's not the case. They work for us. What Correct. the heck is going on here? Correct. Uh, I wanted to, um, if you can go ahead and, and mention again your, the name of the books and all your books and the, the website. Well, all of them, jeepers, that's very nice of you. But, okay, with my website, if people want to find out about me, it's jeffreystevens.com, and Stevens with Jeffrey, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. My new book and the one that I'm, I'm trying to sell you here, <laughs> so my publisher will be happy, is called Fool's Errand. I really believe it's a wonderful book. It's a story about a father and a son. Um, it's, a, it's an international kind of treasure hunt. And I'm telling you, I promise you people, money back guarantee, you won't be able to put it down. You'll love it. It's a great Father's Day gift. My other books 
um, if you look on my website, are um, spy thrillers uh, featuring a CIA agent by the name of Jordan Sander, who was based actually on a real CIA agent ape that I knew very well. And um, in any case, um, uh, it's, those are terrific books too, and I've got a murder mystery out there. But Fool's Errand, that's the Father's Day gift that we're promoting, and I really appreciate you having me on and giving me a chance to talk about it. Definitely, definitely. And, and, and again, we're all New Yorkers, so we've got to stick together. That's uh, right. As we're, as we're winding down, I wanted to touch on some of the books, like Target of Deception, which is the CIA. Yeah, that's the first in the series. That's correct. Yeah, the first in the series. Uh, and by the way, we'll, we'll advertise uh, the books on, our, on, on the website. Oh, thank uh, you. You're welcome. The Target of Deception. Was that something that, that – was there something behind writing that book that caught your attention, that, that made you feel yeah, – like, Yeah, I'll tell you a quick funny story. What happened was I had a friend way back when, and we, we were good pals, and I was in my single days, and he was single, and we used to, you know, run around New York, and, you know, we used to date together and go to bars together and all this kind of stuff. And one day something happened, and it's a story for another day. And I discovered that he must be doing something a little bit different than what I thought. And we sat down afterwards a couple of weeks later and had a drink, and it turned out he was a CIA agent. And I never know. I mean, he really – I just had no clue. So anyway, so I, I was always writing in those days. I never had anything published and so forth. And I said, boy, this would be interesting. What if I write a story about a guy, and it doesn't look like he's a CIA agent in the beginning, but it turns out he is. And that was targets of deception. I didn't, I didn't really expect that the book would ever get published, but it was. And they liked it so much, and it sold really well. So they said, you've got to write some more of these. And so I wrote three more of them featuring the same guy. He has now passed wow. on. He really was, okay. he was an American hero, by the way. I just want to say I can't say his name, who it really was. Right. He was an American hero. He was served in Vietnam, and he served for the Central Intelligence Agency. And he gave me some great stories, none of them, obviously. You know, he didn't demand he's, uh, you know, what can I say, classified information. But in any case, um, so I wrote these books, and it's been a great series. And I've written another one that's not out yet. But the thing is, during the pandemic, I wanted to write something more about family because a lot of us were locked up with family, and a lot of us couldn't even get to see family. It was kind of like a, a push and a pull. And that's why I wrote Fool's Errand because it was about a father's son, and I thought that would really be a fun thing for people to read about, and that was it. But the, C but the CIA stories are great, and the, the most recent one is Rogue Mission. That was the most recent series. And, um, you know, they're just, they're just exciting, and they're fun, and there's a movie option out on them, and, you know, hopefully we're going to get them on the big screen sometime. But um, I just ask people, just take a look at my website, jeffreystevens.com, but, but Fool's Errand is the one for Father's Day. If you, if you, you know, get it to your dad. A lot of women who have reviewed the book and, and have loved it have said as soon as they put it down, the first thing they did was they called up their mother or they called up their father. You know, that's the kind of book it is. And it's perfect because Father's Day is this, it's this weekend. So Yeah, and if you go from Amazon, yeah. Amazon tomorrow, you can still get it for Father's Day, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic, and that, that I was very, very interested in finding out what targets of deception was. That, that was that was a, yeah, that was the, first, yeah. that was the first in the spy series. That's right. That was the first one. Yeah, a lot of fun with that. Were you a big fan of Mission Impossible? And uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think I think the new Mission Impossible. You know, the movies that Tom Cruise makes are a lot of fun. <laughs> I like I like the Born Identity movies and all that stuff. You know the uh, Robert Ludlum stuff. I mean, there's right. some great there are great things out there. I mean, a little of it I hate to say some of it is kind of repetitive. Like I like Jack Reacher, but I find that those books become a little bit the same after a while. But you know, there's some some great books out there. Daniel Silva writes some terrific spy novels. Uh -huh. But you know that's really it's great entertainment, and in in Fusion, how, I want to do a little bit Kojak? something a little different. Mm. How about Kojak? And how do you, you like that show? I didn't hear that. What's that? I said, how about Kojak? Remember that show? You know, oh, talk about Terry Savalas. Terry Savalas. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of that's sure. kind of murder mystery stuff. 
Yeah, I've got a murder mystery out there called Crimes and Passion, and murder mysteries are a lot of fun. So which which of all the novels, which one is your are you most passionate about? Of my novels? Yes. Yeah, I, I, the the one that's most personal to me is Fool's Earned because I really wrote it for my dad. Okay, okay. Because so of the family aspect of it. Yeah, and as New Yorkers, it's all about New York and Arthur Avenue, and uh, you know, yeah, it's it's you'll, you'll see. It's, I mean, it's, that's the whole Arthur, thing. Arthur Avenue. I used to go there. I mean, it's me uh, too. Little Italy. I mean, that's uh, right. Great, that's right. Great food. Yeah, I mean, great food. Well, you'll see. You'll see. A lot of it takes place there. Fantastic. Now, uh, we. I just learned that there's a new publishing company that is targeted for conservatives because a lot of these liberal publishing companies have been actually denying conservative writers or right. middle of the middle of the road. How do you see what's been happening in our country in regards to trying to publish a book that is not basically well accepted by the left? Well, I have a simple question. What happens to free speech? Well, I was I was going there. <laughs> but what happened to free speech? I mean, yeah. you know, now with the woke culture, you know, you're yeah. not allowed to be on the left. I mean, be on the right, excuse me. I mean... Um, for example, my book, um, uh, let's take Fool's Errand, for example, it's published by Postal Press. Now, they don't, do a lot of, um, they don't do a lot of fiction, but they did Fool's Errand because they really liked it, but it's well-known to be a right-wing publisher. Now, ironically, and this is kind of interesting, Louise Burke, who was my publisher back in uh, Simon Schuster back in the day, she started her own imprint, and now she's doing some conservative things. So we've got to, you know, you've got to be fair. You've got to get both voices out there. It can't all be about CNN and CNBC and all the right. jerks who don't know anything on the left. I mean, you've got to have the right wing out there allowed to speak. But according to them, we shouldn't have that right. And that's so un-American. That has become totally. so un-American. You know, when I grew up, let me let me just throw this out there for people if they're still listening to me at this point. You know, when I grew up, I grew up poor in the Bronx. I mean, we used to go out and play in the street. I mean, that was us. We played with Hispanics, with blacks, Irish Americans, Italian Americans, Jews. It didn't matter. And we had the ultimate meritocracy. And you know what that is, the ultimate meritocracy? I'll tell you what it is. When you choose up sides for a baseball game, you choose – who was the best player? You didn't care mm-hmm. if he was black. You didn't care if he was white. You didn't care if he was Hispanic. You didn't care if he was Asian. You said, you know, Joey, the black kid, is the best hitter. I'm taking him. And Benny, the Jewish kid, he's a good fielder. Well, I'm going to take him. That's a meritocracy. That's what America's based on. I didn't, I, I, I didn't know anything about prejudice growing up. I didn't know anything about – what's that? 90 seconds, but go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. But, you know, we didn't know about what homosexuals were bad or anything like that. All we knew was who was the best basketball player, who was the best at stickball. That's what what we knew. And that's how this country works. If you're good at what you do, you get chosen for the team, and you're chosen to do the job that you're good at. That's what we should be about. And stop all this color stuff. Oh, somebody's telling well, me better shut up, huh? No, 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 no. It's it's just basically 60 seconds. But, Jeffrey, excellent analysis. Uh, thank you for coming on at the last minute. Thank you for and, having uh, me. And I, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. And I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback uh, in regards mm-hmm. to your books. So we'll, we'll we'll be out there. And thank you again for coming. All right. Sell a lot of fool's errands, will you? We need to get that book going. Fools are right. Stevens. Happy Father's Day, everybody. All right. <laughs> Likewise. I'll talk to you All right. Again. Thank you. And we're All right, by students Take care, for a guys. better Thank future. Thanks. All right. Go ahead, um, Mark. I said we're sponsored by students for a better future. Yeah. Last minute. You got the last, you got the last word. 
That's it, baby. Everyone, okay, good night. Hey. Happy Father's Day. I'm the father of five. I will enjoy it. All right. Have a good weekend. God bless. God you bless too, America. everyone. You, and happy Father's Day, Cisco. All right. Thank you. All right.